Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Do my best to just teach it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and you don't have to stand up just yet for the reading of the word, but you can go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Uh, you know, if you read this chapter and the previous chapters before it, you'll see where Jesus is giving his disciples some, what I would call pretty intense instructions on how to spread the gospel. I mean, that was that was his plan. This gospel was to be preached unto all the world, right? Not just in Jerusalem, but uh, to the uttermost. It's to affect the entire world. The blood of Jesus was not just shed for a select few. It was shed for whomsoever will. And so for this great truth, this great gospel message to uh, be spread abroad, Jesus, I believe, was trying to instruct his disciples uh, with some very uh, kind of point blank, if, if, if so to speak, instructions here. And, and he tells them some realities of what they're facing I appreciate the fact that Jesus never tried to hide anything in the in the dark and just jump out and surprise as he kind of lays it all out before us, lets us know what we're getting into. And he, he tells them things like, you're going to be sheep amidst the wolves. Uh, not really a place that I want to be. That puts me in a place of vulnerability, a place where I could be harmed. He tells them, if you're, if you're persecuted, you know, which you will be, just leave that town. And head to the next town, shake the dust from your sandals and move on, he tells them. And then he, he says something, he said, by the way, you know, uh, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. For what you're about ready to do, for what I'm asking you to do, it's not going to win you any popularity contest, but quite just the opposite from that. You're going to go and you're going to preach in my name and you're going to find that people, people hate you for what you're about ready to do. He does finally give a few words of encouragement starting in verse 28. He says, and this is where we're going to start reading, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul, destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. I just want to teach a lesson that I have entitled today, The Extra Sparrow. The Extra Sparrow. Maybe you've thought of this before. Maybe you've never considered the fact. I'll get into why I've titled the message just a little bit later on as I speak today. I have to wonder if they ever felt comforted by the fact that uh, when Jesus is speaking to them, he compares them to sparrows. <coughs> I mean, that's kind of like my wife and I were in Baskin Robbins this last week, and you know how sometimes you say, oh, I saw something that reminded, reminded me of you, you know, and your ears are going to immediately perk up. What? What are they? You know, are, uh, 
there's there's a few things that 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 uh, that kind of just display a person's personality. But but I, I got to thinking as I was putting this lesson today. Uh, my wife knows exactly. Now I, I don't know what she's going to get when we go to Baskin Robbins. She changes, but my wife could tell you exactly what I'm going to get when I go to a Baskin Robbins. You can you can tell them. Mallory can tell them too. Everybody knows when I go to Baskin Robbins, I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, mint mint chip. I mean, I, I like the mint chocolate chip. That's that's what I like from Baskin Robbins. And so my wife kind of. You know, she kind of realizes that that that's kind of part of who I am. But I, you know, if we were to walk in there and, and say her say, you know what, I saw a flavor of of ice cream in Baskin Robbins. I just, I just, it just reminds me of you. It just reminds me of your. I, I just think that it would be perfect. It would be exactly. I, I just somehow feel like like this. This is you. I'm sure my mind would would stop and start to begin to think. Well, I wonder what flavor that is. You know, I mean, they come up with some new wild flavor. I mean, there's some bold flavor out there. And then she say, "No, uh, what, what flavor is it?" And she would say, "Vanilla." Boring. Who goes to Baskin Robbins and gets vanilla as their ice cream? I'm looking. I'm looking, uh-oh, Sister Boring, do you put at least put toppings on it or anything? No, you just want vanilla, straight up vanilla ice cream. 31 flavors and she picks vanilla. <laughs> well, we're not going to cast you out of the congregation, Sister Joyce. You are welcome to stay. We invite everyone in. That's kind of what I was thinking of when, when the Lord looks at them and he compared them to sparrows. Of all the creatures, of all the bird species that are, that are out there, he compares them to sparrows. The other day, um, Easton and I were out in the backyard. We were playing a little catch, and I looked up, and there on the on one of the electrical wires was a little bitty tiny bird and I could just see its silhouette and it, it captured my attention and I thought, wow, man, it's so tiny, so small. What kind of bird is that? And uh, eventually it flew away and I, I realized what it was. It was a little hummingbird and, and it just, we both stopped what we were doing. We were having a lot of fun, but we stopped what we were doing and we watched that bird as it flew away and then it flew back and it, just like it was just captivated by us. It's like, hey, you're watching me. I'm going to watch you guys. Go back to playing catch. You're boring standing down there just looking at me. Let, me. let me watch what you're doing. And so we watched it as it watched us, and that little bird eventually flew off. And I, I, I know most of us, we are captivated anytime a hummingbird comes along because they're so unique, so colorful, the way that they fly and, and the way that they eat. Everything about them uh, attracts our interest to them. Remember back to my grade school days, a small community school where on certain days the teachers would have the windows open. And I can remember, if I close my mind, I can remember how that felt to be in that class and, and just hear the robins singing out in the trees. 
taking my thoughts far, far away from my studies. I began to listen as the robins sang their tune, the beautiful noises, the daydreams that they would create. Not far from here, people drive from all over the country to watch the eagles soar along the bluffs of the Mississippi River. If you go down or up there, about an hour and a half north of here, you'll see people pulled over on the side of the roads with binoculars and cameras with long telescopic lenses as they're trying to cap capture the majesty of these marvelous creatures as they soar along the winds that are coming up along the bluffs of the Mississippi River, and, and they're captivated by their beauty and, and the way that they fly. There's things about them that just capture our attention. I have never yet in my 56 years ever, ever heard anyone ever exclaim about the beauty or the majesty of the sparrow. I just haven't. Robin sings a song, the blue jay has its beautiful colors. Even the seagulls capture our attention if you've ever sat along the shoreline and watched them effortlessly just fly down the coastline on the breezes that are coming in off the ocean. It's hard to take your eye off of them, but the sparrow, vanilla. <laughs> vanilla. Not too much there. Pretty plain, bland, boring even. It's a cute little bird. I mean, I'm not saying that that bird is ugly. It's, it's not. I think Sister Graham probably found the cutest-looking sparrow that's out there. But by and large, they're just very average, very ordinary. They that mount up on wings of a sparrow is never a song you're ever going to hear. It's just not. Ordinary is all you can say about this tiny creature. I think about that, and I think how many of us can relate to that feeling. I was having a conversation the other day about how oftentimes I feel inadequate in areas of, of life, and I'll look around the room, and I'll, I'll think to myself, uh, you know, I don't really belong here. <laughs> I, I've had the, the good fortune and been blessed to rub some shoulders with some, some great people, some great men and women of God, and, and, and be able to make acquaintances and friendships. And oftentimes, in my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I must bluff people pretty good because what, what they see and what I feel like I am are, are so far, far. I, I just see myself as being very ordinary, very plain. I mean, I'm not downing what God is able to do in me, but I think most of us really probably feel to some extent just that exact same way. I don't have any great special talents. I've never discovered a cure for cancer. I've never walked on 
the moon. I haven't done anything that will ever get my name in a place of reverence and great respect in the world view. So I feel like when I boil it all down, I'm just a pretty average guy trying to do my best to make it through life like most of the rest of us in this room. Get up and go to work. Get up and make breakfast. Get up and mow the grass. Take care of the, the needs of the family. Try to do my best to be a good husband, a good father, grandfather, all of these things. But at the end of the day, the, there's nothing really supernatural that I've accomplished. There's, there's nothing that really has set me apart from any of the rest of the average people around me. Let's face it, we're a lot like the sparrow. In this world's view, we are just pretty ordinary. Or are we? There's a book that, that I read, uh, I'm in the process of reading, actually. It's a very good book. There's a place, I, I may preach this down the road someplace, because I, I believe it, it helps us define who we are. And I think until we understand and get a mentality of exactly who we are in God, sometimes we live way below uh, where God wants us to live. But the book is entitled, and David perceived he was king. There's a scripture in there uh, where in, in the Bible where it talks about that. And David perceived that he was king. And it tells me a lot about, you know, uh, even though he was anointed, even though there was something upon him and he was God's chosen and God favored him, that, that he struggled at times with who God wanted him to be and who God called him to be. And, and even though he had already been anointed as a king, he did not perceive that he was king until he reached a certain point in life. I think he saw himself as being pretty average. I've been anointed as king, but why do I still feel like just a shepherd boy for my father's flock? Oftentimes, I think that we as God's people, we see ourselves as ordinary. We see ourselves as people that really don't have much authority and much power. But I've come to tell somebody today that God sees you differently than oftentimes you see yourself. When God looks at you, he sees a king. Amen. And you still may see yourself as some lowly shepherd boy, but God sees you in a different light than you may see yourself. I want you to understand something today. There is an authority in you if you've been filled with the gift of his spirit. There is a power in you that God wants you to have and experience and live in if you're walking in him. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 84 and 3, even the sparrow has found a home swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Oh, great. Even birds build nests. They have their home. But where does the sparrow build this home? Where does she have this home where she can have her young? The Bible tells us 
It's a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty. My King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I think about that, and while the eagle is soaring, and yes, we have scriptures for that. I've preached on that before, where the eagle soared. Uh, you know how God takes us to these higher heights, and those are all wonderful things, and I hope that we all experience those places in our life, but there is nothing more precious and nothing more valuable as we live and breathe on this earth than building our home close to the altar of God. The eagle's out soaring. Amen. The vultures are circling their prey. Amen. The, the other birds are singing their songs, but all while they're out there doing their thing, the Bible says that the sparrow is building her home near the altar of the Almighty so that she can raise her children close to the house of God. There's nothing more eternally important than making your home a place where God is near. It's the most valuable thing that you can do is protect your home. The place where your children are being raised, they're being taught, they are learning every single day. Those small minds are turning and they are forming and they're grasping things even before we realize the things that they are grasping. I've just come to tell somebody today, in all of your doings, in all of your gaining things, in all of your living everyday life, don't forget there is something to be learned from the special little ordinary sparrow when everything is said and done don't get caught up in soaring to higher height get caught up in building your home where you raise your children close to God as you can get them because there's nothing more valuable than our children being raised to know Jesus Christ For what does a man profit if he gain the whole world? He loses his soul. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that they weren't going to win any popularity contest. <clears throat> they were going to have to deal with rejection and hardship. So he looks at them and he compares them to Sparrow and he says, the Sparrow builds her house near the altar. And he never wasted words. There was something in everything he said that brought instruction. If we will listen and have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. So while you're being rejected, remember, keep your house close to the altar. Make the altar important. While they're hating on you and while they're misunderstanding you and while they're stabbing you in the back and while they're trying to destroy you and while they're retorting everything that's true that, that you are saying, just remember this. When you're going through all of those problems, don't forget, you build your house near the altar. Make sure that the altar is right in the center of everything that you do. Don't wander away from that altar. Build your house around the house of God.
Jesus understood a culture that, that we don't understand in our Western civilization. Sparrows are next to worthless. Now, a dove might bring you a little money. I mean, they sell doves for sacrifices and different things. People come in, offer them up as a sacrifice, but a, a sparrow didn't, didn't bring much money. Bible said that two sparrows would sell for a farthing. A farthing compares to a fourth of a penny. Now, I don't know about you, but I won't hardly bend over when, when I'm walking through the parking lot if there's just a penny laying on the ground. A quarter will get my attention. A $5 bill, I don't care if my back's out. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll crawl underneath an old semi-truck if I have to, and it might still be moving to get, to get a 20 spot. But a penny and a fourth of a penny, basically, they're worthless. Two sparrows for a fourth of a penny. Nobody's getting rich selling sparrows. The millionaire that lives down at the end of the street up on the hill with the swimming pool and, 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 and the four-door camel, you know, I mean, he, he, he did not get there selling sparrows, trading sparrows. That was funny, wasn't it? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Tell enough corny jokes, one will be funny. Two sparrows, Matthew says, sells for a farthing. But Luke takes it a step further in Luke 12 and 6, and he says five sparrows for two farthings. <laughs> My father-in-law raised four children and a wife made a good living, and the entire time that I was dating my wife and he was in two different locations in his barbecue restaurant, there was a sign that sat out in front of his uh, restaurant for from the moment I first started dating my wife until I don't know how long it was, 15, 17 years later, that sign was out there. Buy two snoots, get the third free. Who's my snoot eaters? One, two, three, three of y'all. Don't knock them till you try them. My father-in-law knew, knew how to make a good snoot. He made a, people come from Louisiana. Truck drivers would stop. He, he told the story not too long ago how, how these people, that, that, uh, that they were engineers on a train. He said those engineers would stop the train, stop traffic, run about, I don't know how many blocks it was, all the way up to his restaurant and get, they would have all of Belleville backed up so that they could get some of his snoots. I thought I'd heard all of his stories, but obviously I, I had not heard that one. Luke is saying, hey, you buy four, we'll throw in the fifth for free. Buy four. Your fifth one is free. The extra sparrow. 
There's an old story of a very poor young boy that kind of was the instigation for this message today. That young boy was talking to an older man. He lived in a country that Christianity was not, not like it is here in Northern America, not so accepted. And um, the old man asked him, he said, so you're a Christian, huh? And he said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, what possessed you to be a, a Christian? He said, well, the, the fifth sparrow. The old man looked at him and said, what do you mean the fifth sparrow? He said, well, he said, Jesus knew our culture and understands how we do things here. And he said, you know, in our culture, we'll sell two sparrows for a farthing. He said, well, so four sparrows, if they'll buy four sparrows, we'll throw in the fifth for free. He said, and I read in that New Testament that somebody gave me that those two sparrows sold for a farthing and five sparrows sold for two farthing. And he said to, I, to myself, he said, this is my, my thought process. He said, Jesus knew our custom of selling birds. And he said, as you know, sir, we, we trap birds for, for a living. That's how we scrape up enough money to get by day by day. And, uh, and I get one cent for two birds, but for two cents, you get four birds. We'll give you four birds. Then we throw in that extra sparrow. It, it's a no account at all. It's, it's like a, a make weight, a make up weight. Uh, you know, we just, uh, a gift of mercy, so to speak, just an extra little something to help you along your way. And he said, now I think to myself, I look at myself, my rags that I that I live in, the, the street that I, that I live down, the, the, the place that, that I call home, it's dusty and dirty, and I have nothing, and I scrape by every single day, and people disregard me, and nobody will listen to what I have to say. He said, I look at myself, and I see in myself how insignificant I am, how useless I'm made to feel, how ordinary I'm forgotten by society. Nobody would think of me. I'm just like that extra sparrow. But God said, not one of them is forgotten of me. He said, I've never heard anything like it. No one but Jesus thought of not forgetting me. Sometimes we can feel worthless. Sometimes we can feel like that extra sparrow. We're just, we're just along for the ride. They didn't even, they didn't even value enough to, to pay for me. That, that I, I was just given along. Uh, 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 I am so pointless that, that even my brothers, they don't, they're not valued much, but I'm even less than that. I, I'm just that, that fifth sparrow, that extra sparrow, that one that gets tossed along for the ride. I'm just here. I don't know why I'm even on this planet. I guarantee you there are people that are going to hear this message that feel exactly like that. They're trying to figure out what God's plan is for you, and you feel worthless, and the world and the, 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 the adversary of your soul will try to make you feel like you are less than who you are. But I've come to tell you today, God has not 
forgotten you. If his eye is on the sparrow, the word of God said he surely sees you. He's given us the promise of the extra sparrow. Leviticus chapter 14 says, Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds. If you read it in the original Hebrew, the two birds are identified and specified as sparrows. Take these two sparrows alive and clean, cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop, and the priest shall command that one of the sparrows, one of the birds, be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He shall take, he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. I don't know if you understand this or not or if you figured that, but we have a typology here of Calvary. Two birds, two sparrows that represent a beautiful picture of the cross. We've got the wood, we've got the blood, we've got the water, we even have the hyssop. The fate of the one bird shows us how he was mangled, how his life was ended, brought down into the depths of the earth. The other bird coming up out of that earthen vessel, out of that blood and that water shows us Jesus rising from that rocky sepulcher and ascending up out of death and captivity. And as he that bird flies away, guess what it's been dipped in? It's been dipped in the blood and those wings began to flap and that blood begins to be shed abroad upon whatever it touches. Amen. We, what we have here is a perfect picture of Jesus giving his life. And three days later, he comes rising up out of that tomb, but now his blood that was dropped and shed, it has a power and it has been shed abroad. I'm so grateful today that when he came up, that his blood was scattered over the face of the entire world. And one day at the age of 17 years old, a drop of that blood hit this old boy and it changed me forever. It changed me from what I was into what God wanted me, me, me to be. No longer ordinary no longer powerless, no longer insignificant. Took a pauper and made him a prince. They're on the hill that day. The day started with just two crosses and two thieves. Then a third was added. Two men have been found guilty. Two men deserve to die. The thieving ways have brought them to this point in their life. Jesus was not guilty, however. He was railroaded, thrown into the mix, and no, he is not the extra sparrow. Because a sparrow 
being valueless would never describe the King of Kings, the Lord of glory. He had value that day. He was the only one of the three that did not deserve to die. Even Pilate stands over a basin of water and he washes his hand. He symbolizes to those that are there on that day. I'm not taking any responsibility for this. I'm not stopping you from doing what you want to do, but I'm not going to be any part of this. I find no fault in him. And he removes himself from the situation. So here they are on Calvary, three three broken men. One of them, they said, claimed to be a king. But the high position people just saw him as a carpenter's son. Isn't that Mary's boy? Isn't that Joseph's kid? Didn't he grow up just not too far from here? Who does he think he is? Kings snubbed him and governors brushed him aside, but the ordinary related to him. The castaways connected to him. Blind Bartimaeus wasn't crying, crucify him, crucify him. I promise you that. The broken and the ordinary and the castaways weren't screaming, crucify him. I guarantee you that lame beggar at Bethesda's pool, I sincerely doubt he was there on that day. For he knew who he had come in contact with. The woman with the issue of blood that had spent all of her money. I can imagine that maybe when she heard the news, her heart broke and she began to cry because she remembered the power that she felt after she had spent everything she had trying to get well by the physicians in her area, but to no avail until she pressed through that crowd and she touched the hem of that garden garment and something flowed through her that she had never felt in her life. One of the thieves that were on one side of him, so typical with people, so many people, they couldn't see the power of what was taking place right in front of their eyes. I'm here because this isn't my fault. I was raised, I was raised wrong. I didn't grow up with a dad or my mom was was mean to me or my circumstances created who I am today. It's not my fault trying to spread the fault somebody else besides, somebody get me down off this cross. Somebody take me down off here. This is not my fault. I don't deserve to be here, but the fact was he did deserve to be there.
here's the extra sparrow, the second thief. Here is our hope today. Here's the worthless, the unwanted, the unloved, full of mistakes on the other side of Jesus. He says, hey, leave him alone. You and I deserve to be here. But he's done nothing wrong. And he says something to Jesus on that cross that day. <laughs> he says, when you enter your kingdom, what does he say? Would you remember me? Do you remember me? And I can see Jesus in his beaten, broken body, in the pain and the agony, looking over at that man and saying, this day, this day, you're not going to the same place that he is. You're coming with me. And that man in his repentant state became the extra sparrow. The broken, the ordinary, the unloved, the unwanted, the one that deserved to die, the one that had nothing to offer, he simply looked at Jesus and he said, I deserve to be here and I'm taking full responsibility. I deserve to be on this cross, but I know you don't. So when you get to where it is that you're going, would you just do me a favor and remember me? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? Put our music come today. The extra sparrow. <laughs> not one of those little common, ordinary birds does God forget. And if he does not forget that simple little ordinary brown common bird that everybody else overlooks and nobody else ever compliments and nobody ever says, oh, I love the sound of the sparrows singing outside of my windows. Oh, look at the beautiful colors of that sparrow. No, we don't. We just ignore them altogether. And if that is you, would you stand with me this morning? I want you to know, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what your past looks like, how dirty and filthy it has been, you are not forgotten today. God knows you. God sees you. His eye is on you. It's as simple as this. Really, you have two spirits in play here. And it's been the spirit of humanity all along, right down from kings to thieves. Saul stands on one end and David on the other. Both of them got lots of things to be sorry for. Both of them had made severe mistakes. Both of them have stepped out of the will of God. Both of them have a man of God come to them and say, listen, you better make this right. 
And here's where they separate. One on one side of the cross and the other on the other side. One says, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fix this my own way. And the other one looks at the old bony finger of the man of God is pointing his direction, pointing out his faults and his blame. He says, you're right. I've got to make this right. You see, Saul and David are not so different from the two thieves that hung on both sides of the cross of Calvary. And whether you realize it or not, neither are you. You have two choices today. Because there are none of us in this place that are sinless, without fault, without cracks and fissures in our life. But when we are presented with truth and we are presented with God's word, and when God finally steps in and says, what are you going to do about it? You're going to make one of these two choices. You're going to either say, nothing, I'm handling it my own way, are you going to say, God, I'll do whatever it takes to make this right? You see, that thief on the cross became the extra sparrow, the insignificant, the unloved, the hated, the rejected, the one that was lost. And yet when he was presented with truth, he simply asked, the only thing he could ask, would you remember me? And Jesus looked at him and said, I will. I will. Would you bow your heads today? No doubt there are people in this place. You felt the sting of rejection. And even if other people have not made you feel rejected, in your own heart, you've dealt with your own inadequacies. And you've wondered, how will God receive me? Will I be able to find forgiveness or will I be rejected by him? And I have come to tell you today, most assuredly, God will present his arms open to you. If you find a place to repent and you come before the Lord sincerely and you tell him that you're willing to change, that you're willing to do whatever it takes, you'll find a place in him. You can become that fifth sparrow that builds his house close to the altar. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.